When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is that time. Yes. The NHL kicks off their season tomorrow. I know Chris Wagle said today, but that's okay, Chris. We love you anyways. The NHL is back in our lives tomorrow. Maple Leafs back Wednesday night. And we're back in your ears right now. Brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Check out their puck off Lagerdale's. The absolute big beer for the big game and riding... As my co-host tonight is Mr. Clark Monroe. Dilly's at work and Pete is on hiatus. It's all right. We'll keep the show rolling. But Clark, I want to hit it right off the bat. Is the preseason too long? And I say yes. I think you need to shorten it. I don't really agree with what um, oh Pierre Lebrun said about bringing the season and ending it in May. I like having the Stanley Cup around my birthday. It's just a a personal thing. I know it's keep playing that hockey around my birthday. There's no problem. Eventually it'll have to line up with a Leafs cup on my birthday. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. But the preseason itself, I do agree. Shorten it up, add a couple extra games. We know expansion's coming. So figure it out now while you have the opportunity, shorten up that preseason, tighten it up. But what do you think, Clark? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the other thing that bothers me a little bit too is that some teams have eight games, some teams have five games, seven, six. Like, there is no standards, regulations, consistencies at all across the NHL in terms of preseason. Some, some, didn't they, wasn't there some games in like Australia or yep. something? Like, they're all over the map with preseason. Um, it already doesn't matter. Luckily, I haven't really seen any like major injuries. You always get that one or two, like, torn ACL or something in a preseason game and it changes the team's outlook for the whole season. I haven't seen a whole lot of that this year, which is great. Um, thankfully for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's too long. I, I kind of wish it was just five. Everybody does five. You pick five yeah. games or whatever, get it over with. Cause not only that James, but there's Traverse city, there's rookie games. There's, you know, it just feels like it's been going on forever. There's, and what it has done is it's allowed us to really dive into a bunch of storylines. And a lot of them are over here. <laughs> so yeah. we'll get into those. But, um, you know, it, every year I think we, everyone wants to just get game one going so that the games matter. And uh, these games, you, you start watching them. You want to get invested. You do a little bit. You, you catch yourself a little bit. And then you're like, oh, that goal doesn't matter. <laughs> and then, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's too long. I, I wish it was just five games, make it a standard. I just feel like it's weird that the Leafs played eight games and I can't, I can't remember who I saw, but somebody only played like five or six games. It's like, why do the Leafs have to play more? And you know, all this other stuff. Well, I think it's a maximizing the ability to see your prospects B there's probably a, you know, a do re me aspect to it from sponsors, different little things like that. And also I look at the, uh, I look at the Leafs and I say, okay, it also gives you an opportunity to see guys like Cowan a little bit longer, Mitten a little bit longer, but I think that there is a standard amount that you have to have, and you can go above that. I think maximum is eight, but I do believe five is the minimum. So, I don't know, maybe the Leafs just this year want to show us more of what they got. And they always throw in a community game, too. They go somewhere. They go to Gravenhurst. They go different places. So, I don't know. To me, it's too long. Shorten it up, tighten it up, get it going. Yeah, get it going. The Leafs have got something good going here with two guys – who are a part of the Maple Leaf organization and now will be, hopefully for years to come, Curtis McElhaney taking the advisor role 
for the goaltenders and getting them all set up. And Jake Muzzin, guys, I want to say something. He is not officially retired. He has not signed retirement papers. So many people making posts and making videos saying Jake Muzzin retired today. He did not retire. Because if he retired, he doesn't get his $5.65 million. And also that counts against the Leafs cap and he cannot go on LTIR, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he did not officially retire. He just accepted a position for scouting as of right now. Obviously, after the season with the health in decline, he probably will retire. But there is no official retirement. Think Chris Pronger with the Flyers when he was injured. Same situation. Yeah, well, didn't he work for the NHL when he was still under contract? Yes. So, I mean, yeah, you can, you can do whatever you want in that regard. So, yeah, Muzz isn't retired, but he is going to be a scout for the Leafs, which is great. He loves being around this team. He loves being a part of this team. And I guess he cut his teeth this year or this offseason in L.A. learning all the ropes and things like that. So, yeah, just wanted to clear that up. Muzz is not a retired guy yet. He wants that 5.65. And the Leafs want his 5.65 on the LTIR side of things. Yeah, so, it goes, goes both ways for sure. Yeah, it's um, shenanigans for sure, but it is legit shenanigans. So. Yeah, on that note, just my 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 five minutes of fame, my claim to fame uh, is always that uh, Curtis McElhaney uh, played with my brother in uh, Notre Dame here in Wilcox, Saskatchewan, uh, in junior A hockey back in the day. They were they were a goalie tandem. They both ended up playing pro, so pretty good goalie tandem back in junior hockey, I would say. Um, and you know, I I thought back uh, when I saw this news yesterday or this morning, sorry. Um, me and my dad were having a conversation. My dad was visiting today and uh, he came, he was like, you know, uh, he was, how, how long was he a leaf for? And I was like, well, dad, let's look back in leaf lore and look <laughs> back at the Curtis McElhaney era and uh, how he left and how we still argue about it today that they should have kept him over Garrett Sparks. And how do you keep, a, how do you not keep the AHL goaltender of the year who's up and coming when there's a 35 year old goalie and then he goes on and, he won at least one cup with the Lightning, right? Or two? Was I think he two? won one. Just one. Just the one? So, I mean, you know what? He had a great career. I mean, as a backup or third-string goalie, he made himself a great career. Uh, he had to work for everything he got. And that's the kind of guy you want, in my opinion, as your goaltending coach. Not a Patrick Waugh. Not a Marty Brodeur. A guy who had to adapt, change, and grow his game every single year to just stay in the league. And I think that's a guy who fights for every inch. That's the guy you want coaching your goalies on what they need to do to keep their jobs, keep getting better at their jobs throughout their career at different stages. I think of a Martin Jones, for example, but also a Joseph Wall, very yep. different parts of their career. Uh, but they still have a long, you know, they still could learn and develop a lot. So uh, I, I love the Curtis McElhaney. I mean, Jake Muzzin's a scout, so we're not going to see his impact on the team very soon, if at all. Um, really necessarily, but uh, I love to see him getting in the game. I love to see him getting uh, to be able to stay around the team. I don't know if he's yeah. going to travel much with the team. I know he's a pro scout, so he might go to some NHL games or some AHL games um, to kind of see who's who and maybe start, you know, gathering some intel on some guys. But either way, both guys you want a part of your organization. And I'm pumped to see that both of them have a spot. Yeah, both of them bring their own set of uh, you know intangibles to what they do. Obviously, like you said, yeah, Mac working hard to make it to the NHL, working hard to secure a job and keep a job. And also being a backup goaltender is not easy on the mental being because you can be called upon at any given time to take that slot and start. And he did with the Leafs. He went on a run. So, And with Muzzin, man, we all know how I feel about Muzzin. I love the guy. Yeah. It sucks the way it ended for him. I had my tinfoil hat on hard last year, hoping he would come back for the playoffs and just get the one run. I really yeah, wanted yeah. it just for him. You know, you look at all these guys who have, like, their last hurrah. You know, it sucks that his last hurrah was four games last year and then out. So, anyways, Muzzy, we love you. Um, Curtis Mack, well, we're good to see you back. At least this time you can't be claimed on the waiver wire, so it's nice. <laughs> Somehow they'll find a way. Somehow oh, yeah, that'll happen. Speaking yeah. of finding a way, the Maple Leafs have found a way to free up some cap space, and they get rid of a guy that a lot of people are kind of pissed is gone, and that's Sam Lafferty. And for me... I understand what he brings. Speed, penalty killing, could have a little bit more finish, but you never know if you give him an opportunity with better guys, what does he do? But for me, 
I look at him and I say, this is a guy who's expendable because you have guys who can do it for a cheaper B, you know, you bring in a Noah Gregor, which we'll talk about here in a couple of moments. You bring in these guys on a cheaper kind of deal. You save that money and every dollar counts. And if Sam Lafferty isn't part of your everyday plans, can you really afford to have him up in a press box at 1.5 or you try to sneak him through waivers and a team takes him for nothing. At least you recouped an asset and everybody's like, well, you traded a second for him. No, you didn't. You traded those picks for Jake McCabe and the retention. Sam Lafferty was a throw in and that's all it was and nothing against Sam Lafferty serviceable NHL player, just not for the Toronto Maple Leafs guys. There's, bigger fish to fry when it comes to the Leafs and Sam Lafferty. I know we're just gnawing at the bone here to get the season going because this story, having this much life is wild to me. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm going to say it. The fact they got a fifth for this guy when waivers were going nuts is great. It's great. Like, kudos to Bradtree Living for getting a fifth round pick for a guy who would have just been yanked off waivers. Because yep. that's what it would have been. Uh, and, you know, Sam Lafferty is a productive player. He has skills to contribute uh, in different scenarios. You know, penalty killer, he would have been a great penalty killer. He's got some speed. He does a little forechecking. Uh, not the most physical, but has some physical elements to his game. Um, and they were going to potentially, we talked about this the last time I was on, I'm pretty sure, play in the top six. Yeah, he was <laughs> like with Tavares, yeah. So... I mean, who knows? I think they were trying to justify keeping him for a little while there. Uh, they were giving him an opportunity. But like you said, it's a, it's the it's the moment in the league where every dollar counts. Yeah. And if you can – I think it was – was it 1.15 that he was making or 1.2? Something along those lines. Lafferty? Um, yeah, give, Lafferty maybe, maybe check it up. Because if you want to check, I'll just keep talking here and you can let me know. Um, but either way, if you're looking at 1.2, let's say um, – and you get a guy for eight hundred grand. That's a four hundred thousand dollar difference. And I think we talked about this in one of the shows. But that four hundred thousand know, last be one point five. One point five. Okay, I thought it was a little bit less. But either way, then you're then you're looking at almost a league minimum difference uh, between him and a league minimum guy. So yeah. I mean, you're at you're at the point where if you can get Noah Gregor, we'll talk about him, or if you can get Bobby McMahon, who's making eight hundred k, to do the same stuff that Sam Lafferty was going to do for. Yeah over a million like you said expendable i hate to say it because he's a good player and he has attributes that a lot of teams want but i think he's going to be good in vancouver and you know hopefully hope for the best for the guy he's had a nice little career he's he's kind of again etched himself into a role yeah um, on some pretty good teams in the past and now he's you know finding his way to vancouver i think vancouver has a chance to be pretty good this year so um it's too bad because i was kind of hoping they would have found a way to keep him but we're at a point now every dollar matters. So that's just where it is. That's where we're at. It's the, it's the tough part of the business. Everyone, so you know I'm not crazy right there. <laughs> $1.5 million cap hit. It's the, uh, now, now hold Jeremy on, though. Hold in. on. I'm going I'm to fight you a little bit on this. Yep. Because wasn't he retained a little bit too in that trade? Yes, I think it is going to be probably retained. Yeah, so it would be less. Because I feel like I've, the, the number 1.15 or 1.2 rings a bell for me, but I don't remember why. Let me just check Vancouver's page on Cat Friendly here. Because we got to get to the bottom of this. Every dollar matters, James, and that counts for uh, podcasts as well. Uh, 1.15. So, yeah, 1.15. Yeah, he was retained. But, yeah, 1.4 yeah. of team cap. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was his cap hit. And then they took a little – they shaved a little off for the trade. So All right. So we're both right. Okay, I'll give it at that. There we go. <laughs> Listen, um, you know what, Vancouver fans, you'll enjoy him. Obviously, he's a player that can be serviceable in your lineups. I said, yeah, and you're gonna, you're gonna, he's gonna be fine. Well, you know what, it goes back to to what Alan Walsh said, right? A lot of these players are getting squeezed out because of the cap, the hard cap, mm-hmm. and it sucks. We're gonna see it go up here in subsequent years, which is great for the league and great for players, but it's been so stagnant for so long. You're seeing teams losing good players like this. That would be on the fringe part of their roster, but would be a 22-23 player on their roster that yeah. they can't have because they're the, uh, so tight. It's the death of the mid-range player, and, and that's kind of how it's been for like three, four years now. It's, you know, league minimum guys have value. Your big paid stars have value, and it's the middle that is kind of getting cut out 
uh, in one way or another, uh, whether that's having to retain on those contracts to make them smaller or waiving them or trading them for scraps. Um, yeah. That's the mid range is kind of where it's almost remember when, uh, when Dubis came in and his big thing was like, I'm going to increase scouting in Russia or whatever it was. Cause yep. I want to find inefficiencies. I feel like that mid range right now is kind of the NHL's inefficiency. And maybe when the cap goes up a little bit, we're going to see that mid range, the middle class. <laughs> come back. We'll come back. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I fully agree with you. It just, it sucks for guys like Lafferty sucks for a lot of guys who want to make rosters. Look at a guy like Noah Gregor. If the cap was where it's supposed to be, he would not even be in a conversation for a PTO. He'd be on a deal somewhere other than the lease. But I want to talk about a guy that's on a deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he's talk getting about mid-range. Because, yeah, well, listen, this guy to me, and I've tried to defend it numerous different ways. You know, nobody liked it when they signed the deal for Callie Arncroke. I was so excited last summer. I made the video. I was pumped. I said, this is what the Leafs need. A Swiss Army knife that can go up and down your lineup, who can play with anyone who has foot speed, who has finish. Put him with the right guys. He scored 20 goals last year. He was injured as well. Could have probably got a couple of more under his belt. And everybody's like, oh, no, that's an outlier. You know, he shot too high, 70% shooting percentage, et cetera, et cetera. But he also didn't have all the time in the world with anybody in the top six. Not that he'll get it this year but at least he can transition up the lineup like Lafferty couldn't. He can hang with the Matthews and Marners with speed. He can play with JT and Willie. There's no problem there. He also can be defensively responsible, which is what he's going to be with the two kids in Minton and Nyes, which he'll complement both of them as well. So this is what I say about Callie Yarncroke. Yes, the cap it, I get it, is a little expensive, but he's a guy who can definitely do all the things that you need up and down your lineup where Sam Lafferty, I know was cheaper, wouldn't be able to, in my opinion. And I like the fact that he got 20 tucks last year and he's probably going to want to do better this year. And if he's healthy for all 82, I told everyone, I think it's going to be 25 goals for Sam Lafferty. Or sorry, not Sam Lafferty, Callie Arncroke this year. Yeah, well, maybe in Vancouver, Sam Lafferty, who knows. Uh, but we talked about this when he signed, and I think I was on Team James with this. Uh, look at his career every single year since 2015. This is his goal goal totals. 16, 15, 16, 10, 15, 13, 12, 20. The guy is the epitome of consistent in this league, and he's going to get you between 30 and, and 40 points every single year. And really – and again, we talked about the death of the mid-range player. Uh, $2.1 million is not exorbitant. Like, that's not a crazy amount no. of money for a guy who, like you said, can be anything you tell him to be. That's a valuable player. And, you know, we talked about, again, death of the mid-range. That's just kind of – it's also, you know, the stars are stars. The the work, the uh, league minimum guys are like your workhorses, and everybody loves those guys because they're – they're fighting for their contracts and they're fighting whatever. But as soon as you enter the mid-range level, anything over $1.2 million, that becomes now for fans, for some reason, the window of being able to hate a guy. And I think of Justin Hall. I think of Alex Kerfoot when I say this. I think of those guys who make somewhere between 2 and $4 bucks <laughs> that just because they make a little too much money in your mind because they're not league minimum, you hate them for some reason and you you can't yeah. like them because they're making just a little too much money in your, in your perspective. And so I think that's maybe where Callie Arncroke is coming in is, and he's makes less than Kerfoot. He makes just that's as what much I was about to say. Guess who he is this year. He's I said, the new Kerfoot. In the off season, I said this year, Callie Arncroke is now no. going to be Kerfoot because he makes too much money and he's $2.1 million. And, we well, don't have Kerfoot to complain about anymore. Well, excuse me, if he scores 20 goals at 2.1, I'm okay with what you're doing. You know, if he takes a few draws as a right-handed shot, if he penalty kills, if he can jump up in the lineup if he has to, like, what are we talking about here? Why are we upset about this guy? Like, I, I just think, again, uh, you know, I think back to Kerfoot, and if, if Kerfoot would have been making league minimum, not a single person ever, nope. ever, would have said a single bad thing about the guy because he was fine. But yeah. and, and and you know what? I'm guilty of it as well because for a couple of years on TikTok videos and stuff like that, 
he was in every trade. But that's because he was the only tradable contract that the Leafs really had. Well, he made three, four, five million. That was the problem. Yeah. We said so many times if his cap hit was less, even a million less. Yeah, the mouths would have closed a whole lot more. Mouths would have closed, but the I guess the problem is, and and again, I'm guilty of it because I, I I perpetuated it a little bit. But when he makes three point five, and I'm getting off of Yarn Croak here, but it's the same conversation because I guarantee this is going to happen with Yarn Croak this year. It is, but it's just it's it already is. because he makes three point five. His contract was always in conversations to move because you can't bring in a significant player without moving money out, and now Cali Yarn Croak might fall into that as well. So. Either way, I'm I I love the fit for Cali Croke. I think he's a great fit for Matthew Nyes and Fraser Minton. We'll get to that in a little bit, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. And if if Max Domi maybe wants to move down or they need to move him down, Yarncroke can go back up there. We saw him have success with Matthews and Marner last year. What are we complaining about, people? <laughs> he's a great player in a great spot for this team. There, listen. We look for players like this. This is the guys yes. that you want in your squad that help you during the playoffs and different things who can fill in at key times, and he can do this. I don't know why we need one of these every year where it has to be, all right, this is the guy we hate. just because yeah. we have to. Now, remember, too, uh, last year, the hype around Sam Lafferty because he made a little bit, you know, $1.5 million. And mm-hmm. and the value there, and he can play such a good role. And then we got him, and everyone's like, "Why did we get him?" It's like you were just hyping him up like two seconds ago as this great analytical darling, and then you know you get him, and all of a sudden he falls into that mid range where everyone's like, "Well, he's making a little bit too much money." Come on, like we got yeah. that thing. Just put the cap up. Give it a get rid of the hard salary cap. I'm tired of the conversations about these guys. They're good players. Two point one is not going to hurt us. Hurt us. Hurt the Leafs. Yeah. Uh, and he's a he's going to fill a, a big role for this team. You need guys like him. Let's let's move on to Noah Gregor. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of filling big roles, we're filling a role this year with our friends over at the Hockey oh. Podcast Network, and they're teamed up with DraftKings. And you know what that means. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up. With an offer that's even stronger, bet five bucks on any game this week and score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the action. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resorts, KS, licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, LA, 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms and eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So check out our friends, DraftKings, and use the code THPN to get in on the fun. Yes. So to switch to the fun, the fun is no regular. This guy right here looks like he's going to be a physical player, a player who can help with the cycle with Reeves and Camp, really hem the other team in, not afraid to lay the body, not afraid to block shots, a definite guy you want on your fourth line. And I said it to you guys in our group chat, and this was, I think, the third preseason game. It really seemed like Keith already had what is going to be his fourth line, and it was Gregor, it was Camp, and it was Reeves, and it was been that all preseason. He's got them together. They're in a rhythm already. So to me, Noah Gregor to sign, it's, it looks like a you know foregone conclusion, especially today. He's doing charity work with the Maple Leafs at Covenant yeah. House, helping out, being there. Obviously, 
It just needs to get done and rubber stamped, which will be a move in, move out. But give me your thoughts on Noah Gregor, Clark. Obviously, uh, we've got to see him here. We got to see what he can bring. And uh, he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, too. Really wants to show, hey, someone gave up on me, and I don't think that was the right thing to do. Yeah, so I, I have a unique perspective because I actually got to see Noah Gregor in junior quite a bit because he was with the Moose Jaw Warriors and then Ooh. the Prince Albert Raiders as I was working for the Regina Pats. Um, he did make a stop in Victoria with the Royals, but uh, that was just for a little bit there. Uh, and he won a championship with Prince Albert um, in my last year in the WHL. So he is a guy who, you know, he's, he's a really impressive player. He has a lot of skills. And in junior, like this was a 30-40 goal scorer in junior, uh, which was a few years ago now. But if you look at him, he's he got 10 goals last year with Seattle, with San Jose in just 57 games. He had 10 goals as a depth guy in San Jose. Um, he's got speed. He's got that Western Hockey League blue-collar attitude, uh, which, again, I think he developed a little bit over time. I don't know if he was always that guy. Like, I, I always bring this up, but I, I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois was always that big power forward that he kind of yep. made himself into now. I, th- I don't think Noah Gregor was necessarily always that hard nose, like, you know, really getting in the dirty areas and doing all the hard work guy. Because in junior, he was more of a star, which yep. not all the stars are always that. But I think he's been able to kind of find that w- in, within his game and become that guy. And if we're looking at, uh, in terms of a guy who can come in and, and – do what Sam Lafferty probably would have done. Yep. I mean, he had 10, 10 goals last year. Sam Lafferty had, what, 12? So, I yep. mean, he, he, you're looking at a guy, a perfect replacement for cheaper than Sam Lafferty. And if you're looking to save $300,000, that's probably what you're doing uh, because he's probably going to make, I don't know, somewhere between eight hundred and nine hundred thousand, depending on the number that they land on. And, again, we talked about this just before we went live, but um, – and I'm going to give Steve Dangle a lot of credit because this is where I'm getting it from. Yep. But if you if you remember last year's situation with Zach Aston Reese's PTO and Leaf fans, myself included, James, you were in the same boat. We were like, why haven't they signed this guy yet? Like, it's obvious that they're going to sign him. Yep. It's clear. Uh, but they waited until the very last day to do it. And they gave him a very weird number. It was like it was like 806 or something like that, like yep. 806,000 or 822 or something weird. And it's because of the LTIR situation that the Leafs are in, they have to maximize the amount that they are able to get relief on that number. And in order to do it, it's all timing. And Brandon Pridham wrote these rules. So that's why I love that he's still with the Leafs yeah. because he knows what he's doing. If you wait till a very certain time and you add money to it to get it exactly to zero at the exact right time or like within $100 or whatever it's going to be, the yep. salary cap hits. That's the exact number they're going to give Noah Gregor to make it all fit and maximize their LTIR cap relief, which for Matt Murray, he's coming back for the playoffs. He, that's my uh, that's my tin hat that you had last year. It wasn't Matt Murray is out for the perfect amount of time. He's going to be back for the playoffs. James. Matt Murray's done. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> but, but six to eight months, I just kind of laughed because I'm like, oh, dude, if anybody, if anybody comes to me and says, wow, they're Kucherov-ing him, I'm going to, I'm just going to walk away. I'm walking away because I can't handle the situation. Listen, you but, know, it's funny that he's getting his back work done, though, because, you know, usually for the Leafs, it's back breaking during the playoffs. So, I mean, if a fresh back comes in, maybe he could carry yeah, the team. Oh, he's coming back. He's making another cup run with Matt Murray. It's happening. It's happening. You heard it here first. Do you imagine? But, I mean, that's that's what Noah Gregor is. He's a perfect Sam Lafferty replacement. He's speedy. He's going to kill penalties. He's going to play with Ryan Reeves. And you know what, James? You mentioned it, I think, one time when we were talking about Ryan Reeves, how he's going to drag guys into the fight. He's going to um, go out there and, and be that enforcer. I think we might be looking at a little bit of a, uh, a Batman and Robin situation. Ooh, Noah nice. Gregor. Noah Gregor is going to be Robin. And he's going to go around and then be annoying to everybody and kind of get under the skin. And just at the right time, Batman's going to come in and punch some faces. Uh, and I think Noah Gregor is going to be the one to piss everybody off, though. And then Ryan Reeves will be the one to clean up the dirty business. Uh, yeah, so I, I think I re- it's going to be a, a lot from Bertuzzi and Domi as well that he's going to yeah. really clean up. And apparently Nines is a good shit talker, too. So I, I'm not going to say no to any of that. Um, but the one thing, James, and it's not on your list. I'm just going to bring it up. Maybe we can talk about it another show. I'm just going to bring it up. But 
we've seen David Camp be this very, very important defensive center for the Leafs for a few, a couple of years now. And I'm just a little curious if they are going to move him up and down the lineup a little bit this year uh, for situations, because I don't know if, I mean, Gregor's probably fine, but I don't know if Gregor and Reeves are necessarily that line that you see late in the game go out there and shut a team down. I think, um, I think you might see Camp go with Yarncroke a little bit. You might see Camp go with whoever, but I think they might mix it up. So anyways, that's a conversation for another day. I actually um, said this but... to you, I think, last show. I said um, what they might do is they may leave Reeves on the bench and shift in a more offensive player on that line just yeah. to give him more reps or to do different things like they do in overtime, just getting another guy, more reps, more opportunity, different looks. Mm-hmm. When you don't need Reeves out there, or even like you said, maybe swing in Nyes or Yarncroke or someone, even Frazier Minton for crying out loud. We'll talk about him soon, but you might be able to add a little bit of a different look to that fourth line when you're trying to shut down a game. But we haven't seen Ryan Reeves trying to lock down a game right now with these two yet. So maybe he throws the big hit or blocks the big puck. Who knows? Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's going to be some mixing. And uh, one quote that I, I've mentioned before on the show is I heard Sheldon Keefe, or uh, I heard Brad Tree Living talk about Sheldon Keefe and how he strategizes and, and tries to maximize his players each and every night in different situations. So I just feel like this year we're going to see some more in-game adjustments from Sheldon Keefe than maybe we've seen in the past where, you know, we see him go certain lines and those lines get run to death. But I think we might see some more in-game situational switching, especially with a guy like Timothy Liljegren. I think David Camp is going to be in that conversation. Uh, and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm, that's, that's what I'm looking at for Sheldon Keefe this year. How is he going to adjust and, and be a little bit different this year than he has in the past? Listen, Keefe Unleashed, man. I can't wait to see it. I really think it's going to be something different that we've seen. And I think the good thing, too, is he doesn't have to walk anything back. You know, he's going to be allowed to be his own man and he makes mistakes or says the wrong thing. As a coach, sometimes you got to eat it, move forward, or sometimes you say it and you mean it. And you got to yeah. say it and mean it and – Hold true to it so guys understand that that's not acceptable. So we'll see what happens. But speaking of acceptable, Mr. Easton Cowboy Cowan has been more than acceptable for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think he may uh, he may get a little bit of a nod here. It's going to be a paper thing. He'll be sent back down to junior, of course. We all know that's happening. But somehow I think he may get the uh, bright spotlights of being on the bench and being announced as just a, a suited player, much like uh, Radian Amirov was last year, Jake Muzzin, and a few others. I think he may get that shine, that rub, and then get returned the next day to junior. Um, what do you think here? What do you think they do with Cowan? Yeah, I, I really like that idea of make, maybe getting them suited up and going on the bench for home opener and just kind of getting a bit of a wave because I think he's kind of put himself in a conversation that not many rookies really get a chance to do in Toronto, yep. uh, which which is like everyone already loves him and he hasn't played a game yet. Uh, so like that doesn't happen very often. No. Nope. Um, so I would love that. I don't know how that works in terms of, you know, the cap and contracts and all those things like even if he was a scratch for one game, uh, it wouldn't affect his contract necessarily going forward. So I don't know how they do that um, or what the rules are around that, but I would love to see him at home opener because I know he would get a – he'd probably get a standing ovation. He hasn't played a game. Oh, he'd get a big pop. Big Yeah, pop. get a big pop. Um, so I, I think it would be great. I don't know how that works, though. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to go down to junior, I think. Uh, I don't think he's going to get any games in. Um yeah. The, the transaction hasn't happened yet, but I just can't see it. Uh, but I think he's going to go down to junior and wreck. Like he's going he's gonna to wreck the OHL. And I think London is going to uh, be very, very, very happy as soon as they can possibly get their hands on him. Because not that, I don't know what their season's at right now. I know it's early still, but um, to, to infuse him into a lineup uh, in junior hockey after what we've seen him do against pros uh, and, you know, young pros, but you know, the professionals. Uh, no, he's been in some games, though. He's been in some NHL quality. Yeah, you know, exactly. Quality and, games. and he's shown he's shown that he can hang. Um, and in a very desperate situation, like if the if this was the Leafs, well, you wouldn't want to wreck his uh, development. But I was going to say, in a situation, um, 
different than what it is right now. He he might even have made the Leafs with the way he played in the preseason. That's a big statement, um, and it's probably a, a long shot that that would have ever happened. But like he put himself into the conversation. He put himself into the conversation. It wasn't somebody else doing it and just kind of mentioning it. He forced those questions to be asked, and I I love that about the guy. Uh, and I think uh, we got a good one. Uh, Leaf fans, I think we got a good one here with Easton Cowan. Yeah, I'm not worried about his development. I can't wait for him to go down and just wreck shop and come back next year even more hungry. Uh, Sheldon Keefe said it best. A lot of guys are coming faster than they expected, which is great. Um, obviously, a lot of young guys are be down in the minors. You look at Ty Voigt, different guys are coming. Another guy that a lot of scouts and a lot of people that I've, you know, respect in the business for looking at prospects, they said, if you were to tell me in February and March of this year that Frazier Mitten would be battling and possibly, which we now know he is, cracking the Leafs roster, they would have called you crazy and had you thrown out of the building because there was just no way. But this guy is coming to camp ready. He has battled. He's done everything asked of him. And he looks like he's going to be at least maybe for nine games, maybe longer, a part of the Toronto Maple Leafs' plans. I like what he's doing. He's going to develop chemistry with Nyes. Both guys, by the way, young on ELC deals. Not a bad thing. You need those type of players. Hello, we just talked about guys like Al Yarkroak. But you need also guys that are going to be on those entry-level deals that are not taking much cap space. And why not have Frazier Minton, who's earned it? Absolutely earned it. Very active with the stick, knocking the pucks away. Very active in getting in the lanes. He's not afraid to mix it up along the wall, which is great. Same thing with Matthew Nyes. So that just harkens over to what Cal Yarncroke does. He's a dog on the puck too. So those three together could really wreck some havoc and really take some zone time away from key offensive players. I love it. Give this kid the nine games, the full nine, and at that point, see where he's at. But I mean, it's him or Pontus Holmberg. And for me right now, Frazier Mittens over Holmberg right now. Sorry, homie. You got to see the Marlies there. And that's not a bad thing at all. And what we've seen, I think, from Fraser Minton is, uh, again, he's forced the conversation. He's forced the questions because before uh, this became an option, Nylander was going to be the third line center. And that was going to change the entire outlook of the entire team. And I was kind of looking forward to that, to be honest. Uh, I wanted to see that for a few games. but And maybe we still will. Um, But to have a guy who was a second round pick last year, not this past draft, the one before, um, kind of forced his way up the depth chart as quickly as he has, impressed the scouts as quickly, as much as he has, uh, the management and the coaching staff as much as he has. You know, uh, apparently him and Nyes have been staying together. And when you see them out there together, they both have that six foot two, six foot three frame. They're both bigger bodied guys, even though Minton has a little bit of ways to go in terms of like filling out a little bit more. Yep. I think Nyes is, is a step ahead of him in that regard. And he's a couple years older, so of course he is. Um, but to see him out there, like you said, with an active stick causing turnovers, the two of them together on that penalty kill those, those couple of times, scoring that one goal, and Minton was a big part of that. Um, yep. Just to, I, I, this is this question too was coming up. I don't remember the last time the Leafs actually nine gamed a rookie. I don't remember. And somebody said, "Was it Rasmus Sandin?" I said, "No, it wasn't." Because Sandin same man started. He stayed. Yeah, exactly. He he played like forty games or something that year. Um, and that, I remember that being a thing, but it wasn't the nine game. And I I don't remember a time, honestly, at all, nope. that the Leafs have ever done this. And somebody correct me, maybe if I'm wrong here, but I think this might be the first time. And we see it with other teams all the time. And if a player is physically ready and can go back to junior, but he's physically ready to do it, I don't see why not. Give him the chance. Like, let him be that and let him get that on his resume and build up his um, his world juniors hype. Like, yep. do it. I'm pumped. Uh, and it's again, it allows William Nylander to go back into the top six and Maybe this is the time to talk about the lines. Um, but what that does for the top six with the way that they're putting Domi in there and Nyes is on that third line with Yarncroke and Minton, uh, yep. I mean, that just – it changes the offensive dynamic of the entire roster, just just having Fraser Minton as the third-line center. So I love it. 
I, it's crazy that we haven't, the Leafs haven't done a nine game rookie before. Uh, and the fact that it's Fraser Mitten in a year where he's going to probably be, you know, at least a top nine forward, if not a top six forward on the world junior team for Canada, it's yep. exciting. Would the other guy that maybe have done the uh, the nine games, maybe Nazem Kadri in his first Yeah, career? I looked at him and I, you know what, I'm going to look again, but I don't think he did. Because I know he, um, he was sent back down and he was an emergency call up to the Maple Leafs during that one season. So I don't know. He He's the only one that jumps to mind for me. But yeah. yeah, I look at these lines and I say it allows you to be deeper. Fraser Minton's who he is and can play and stay and just hang out with Nyes and hang out with Yarn Croak and hang in this league with the frame that he has and does not get sent back down. That just allows you to have a powerful top six, but it also allows you to move guys around. So you yeah. can move Domi down, move Nyes up or Yarn Croak up or whoever you want. You can really switch things around and make it look different. If Bertuzzi's not clicking with, you know, Matthews and Marner, slide him down with uh, JT and Willie and, Flip nice to the top line like a lot of people anointed him to have and allow another guy to slide down again. You could just keep doing this all the time and really throw different looks depending on the game too and just switch it up. So we shall see. The lines are going to be fun. For me, the defense is going to be the defense for now. Um, a lot of people are waiting for a shoe to fall. So many people still want to see TJ Brody traded. Please get off that bandwagon. Please okay. stop. Okay, but can I can I can I recall a, a, a conversation we had 15 minutes ago? Yep. He is he is the mid-range. Like that's the thing with TJ Brody now is he's the guy with one year on his contract and I know I, I and I know that he's a player that we all want on the team currently. But No, James, there's so many people that do not want him on the team at all. They say no, he's a liability. Okay, I, well those people I think are maybe overreacting a little bit, but I will say that if He's that he's the guy now. He's the contract that if they want to bring in a significant player, you know that five million dollars would go a long way uh, to do that. So that's all. That's all I'm going to say. He's my new Alex Kerfoot because that's you know, if he had two or three years left in his deal, I don't think I'd be talking about this. But with one year left as a thirty, what is he thirty three? So it's like, oh man, if you want to bring in a, I don't even know who the candidates are yet. We haven't even talked about who those guys would be. Oh, don't but worry. We will. We will. We'll, we'll get our way too early beating the drum segment like I did last year about Ryan O'Reilly. Took yeah, a few yeah. months, but it happened. We'll get there because I'm sure that those names will start flying within a game. After one game, we're going to start hearing, go get this guy, go get that guy. So we'll get there. But I just think, you know, for TJ Brody's sake, he's a great player. I think he fits this roster really well. But if you want an upgrade at all, like everyone always wants an upgrade. Who comes out? If you get an upgrade, who comes out? Yep. DJ Brody to me might have to be that guy to go out in order to bring in somebody who's an actual. But does, that, but does that make your defense weaker? Because you're adding well, if a it's great an, piece that's there, but yeah, also, yeah. and then you're asking more from the guys lower in the lineup to do something as well to fill in some of the things the new guy might not do. Yeah. No, I get it. I just think if it's a clear upgrade, like I'm talking, like I don't even know. Again, I haven't even gotten into those names yet, but if it's like uh, Colton Pareko or like a, who's, I don't even know if he's a fully upgrade at this point in his career or like an Alex Petrangelo type, if that's yeah. the type you're bringing in, that's the guy that I would be fine moving out of TJ Brody for, but I don't know who that guy is yet. So we'll get, we'll get there at some point. Oh yeah. We'll see some names start to shake out from the tree as it goes, yeah. uh, but we'll see what this lineup is when it gets, fi listen, we know what the final lineup is. It's Noah Gregor on the fourth line with uh, Camp and Reeves. Your third line is going to be Nyes, Minton, and Yarncroke. Second line is Domi, Tavares, and Nylander. By the way, Domi and Nylander got some chemistry. They have some chemistry. I like watching what I'm seeing there. Bertuzzi, Matthews, Nylander, or Matthews, Marner. That's a line that needs some time to get going, but I think it will. I think they're just going to get used to what Bertuzzi does. Marner called him a Neanderthal. So the way that he skates and, and deals with the puck, he says he always gets it back, but he's more of a Neanderthal about it. So I don't know how that goes with your teammates, but anyways, not the exact way you want to hear. But one thing that did happen today that was something we just totally didn't expect did not happen in the Dubas era. That was a player getting put on waivers and clearing waivers. And the Leafs did one small, tidy bit of business to make sure I think that happened. 
And that was the $100,000 that was owed today. So any team claiming them had to pay them a $100,000 bonus. So That's that might have helped and tipped the scales a little bit. But for me, the Leafs have a viable option as their third goaltender sitting in the minors now. And I'm not too sad about it. No, it's great. And, you know, I think uh, we've talked about this a couple of times, even tonight, but it's so hard at this time of year to actually claim someone. And the fact that they did that little tidbit of that $100,000 bonus is so clever. I I loved hearing that. Um, And, you know, Martin Jones going down now, uh, he's going to be down there with Dennis Hill to be. I think that's a great guy to learn from, to be honest. I know it's Martin Jones, and sometimes we you know, say not so great things about Martin Jones in the last five or six seasons. But at the same time, he was a very effective goalie for several years. And he still is an effective goalie to an extent. Um, that's, why he's, that's why he's in the system now. That's why they brought him in. Uh, but to go down and be with Dennis Hildeby, who's a bigger, bigger goalie, Martin Jones is a bigger goalie, uh, and with Keith Petrozelli, who I believe is a bigger goalie. I can't even think of off the top of my head how tall Keith Petrozelli is, but I think he's a bigger, bigger goalie. Um, so for those guys to even just be around Martin Jones and learn from him, I think it's great for those guys. Um, even Vyacheslav Peksa. I don't, I don't know what their plan is with those depth goalies this year, but for Martin Jones to be down there working with those guys is only a good thing. Um, and at any given time, they can call him up, and you know what you're going to get at least from Martin Jones. You're going to get – a guy who, as a backup goalie last year, won 27 hockey games. Even though his numbers weren't great, he won 27 games. So you know what you're getting out of the guy. And to have that just kind of in your back pocket for when you need it, that's that's great. That's hugely valuable. And uh, it's great that they were able to hold on to him and, and kind of just, you know, it was there was a lot of other goalies on the, on the waiver wire. There was a lot yep. of other players on the waiver wire. And... At this point in the season, with everybody clearing out their rosters at the exact same time, it's just a very difficult time to bring anyone else in. Because if you bring someone in, you have to put somebody else back on waivers to get rid of them or move somebody down. And not a lot of teams want to do that after they put their guys on waivers. They don't want to have to do it again. No. Uh, so I think – and the, the roster deadline is also – like you have to have your final roster in for game one, essentially. I think – I don't know exactly how it works, but you have to have your regular season roster in like to start your salary cap counting at a certain time. And if, if you bring in a Martin Jones late, you have to like scramble to fix all that stuff. So there's a lot of layers to it. It's, it's all stuff that the regular fan probably does not care about whatsoever, but it's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that the, the cap geeks and the, the – uh, all the people who write all the rules, they live for this stuff. <laughs> this is their this is their lifeblood. Uh, so this is uh, it's exciting for some. I know it's kind of sounds drab for some, but uh, it is a lot of moving parts, and it's a tough time of year to actually bring anybody else in. So it was a great, great little hundred thousand dollar bonus, uh, and that probably did the trick. Well, yeah. I'm just gonna be happy about this one. It seems like a lot of people are celebrating it as it was a dubious thing. People are claiming players because it was Kyle Dubas. Now it hasn't happened yet since he's been gone. And yeah. there has well, been Pittsburgh a guy didn't claimed. get anybody claimed, right? Nobody claimed yeah, so Pittsburgh. Well, well, it is what it is. Ty Smith, man, that's a guy I think somebody should have claimed. But anyways, if some what's in case. You know, you know, just quickly, James, if you can allow me to just rant a little bit. Just rant nothing crazy here. But this time of year is always a little bit... Not frustrating is not the right word, but I'll say frustrating for now. But just with the amount of guys that do happen to go on waivers who are like first round picks from like six years ago, and everyone's like, that's terrible asset management. It's like, this happens every year. If these guys were good enough, they wouldn't be on waivers. So, you know, it's, and also if you have two or three guys that like, for example, uh, who is the team? Ottawa, who had Jacob Bernard Docker, Lassie Thompson, who they got back, by the way. And, uh, and Sokolov. Um, Sokolov. And everyone's like, terrible asset management. None I of think them got claimed. None of them got claimed. It's I know, but crazy. I still think it was terrible asset management. You, They come out and they're talking in their press conferences this preseason about how these guys are the future, and they're so excited about how close they are, and they want to give them yeah. more time to come to fruition. But we signed X and X, and now we don't have the dollars and cents to keep these guys up. So we have to put them on waivers and expose them, even though they may be great parts of our future, which is what I said in my little ranting video 
about the Senators and their asset management because it seemed dumb. You come out and you talk so highly about these guys, and then they're on waivers. It doesn't make sense to me. That just didn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, but I just think at this time of the year, uh, there's always all these players who are like 22 or 3 who haven't usually, in most cases, played more than 10 or 15 games. They haven't cemented themselves as an NHL player yet. There's a lot of hype because they were once hyped. Uh, but years have passed, and a lot of these guys either haven't cemented themselves or can't cement themselves because they're just straight up not good enough or not a fit. But I will say the other side of this, for Ottawa, for example, I'd say that's a good problem to have. If you have these guys that aren't good enough and you're getting this much this much ire, this much uh, talk about these players being on waivers, that yeah. just means you have better players on your roster. So. To me, that's a good problem to have. If you're getting criticized for putting certain guys on waivers, that just means your team is better than those guys. So that's good. That's a good problem. So I'll, I'll now there, I guess the counter counter argument would be, well, Travis Hamanick is on the Senators. How could you possibly bring back Travis Hamanick when you have a guy like Jacob Bernard Docker and you now you risk losing him? Okay, case by case. <laughs> but I do think generally. If you're putting good players on waivers, that means you have better players on your roster. So I think it's a good problem. There's my rant. No, no, fair rant, fair rant, fair rant. And I do think that there is an injury to Josh Norris now in Ottawa as well. And looks like another shoulder surgery for him. So another maybe six to eight months on the shelf. So yeah. the promising season that was about to be for the Ottawa Senators may not be so promising. With that injury, but we'll see. You still have Timmy Stu and others to pick up the slack. But ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. The Maple Leafs are not with 48 hours before they hit the ice now. Fired up and excited. We all know Easton Cowan's going down. We know Noah Gregor is here to stay. Get ready for this iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It will be one to watch. Finally, everyone has a little bit of something that they've wanted in this lineup. You want it skill, it's there. You want a piss and vinegar, it's there. You wanted a knuckle dragger to beat the faces off guys who touch your superstars, it's there. You wanted goaltending depth, it's there. You want a prospect hype, Matthew Nyes, Frazier Mittens, say hello. There is something for everyone on this version of the Toronto Maple Leafs to start the season. So buckle up, like I always say. It's going to be one hell of a ride, but one thing I will say, don't be a negative dick all season long and say it doesn't <laughs> matter. The season doesn't matter. Only the pre- Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You watch hockey for the entertainment. If it stresses you out that much, go outside, touch grass, and if it's dead of winter, go play in the snow. Just don't make it yellow snow. But you know what it is around here. This is Offside Hockey Talk where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.